It's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. This area, and we don't have to guess. You know, there's some portions of the Word of God where, like, you know, is this you know, what God has for me? Well, you know what? The author makes really clear for us that what he challenges us in in these verses is the will of God for us who follow Jesus Christ. And so he starts with three important ways in which we should respond to difficulty. And right after that, we're told, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, And so one of the questions that we as Christians should be asking concerning how we should respond to 2020 is, what's the will of God for me? What is God's will for my response to all the things that are going on in this difficult year? And this morning, we're going to get a partial answer to that question here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And I say a partial answer because this is not some exhaustive list. We're getting three things that the Word of God is challenging us to do, but there's many more things that the Word of God would would encourage and challenge and command us to do in response to the difficulties that we have. But we're going to zero in on these three this morning. I think it's a great place for us to start because, you know, these are three things that are not typically the way in which we often naturally respond in the midst of difficult years. I'm going to guess that if you were to look at how you've been responding so far in 2020 to the problems and difficulties and hardships that you face, these three things are probably not at the top of your list. Maybe prayer is going to be one of them that you would do, but the other two that we're going to look at, I'm going to guess that that's probably not uh, going to be uh, as common. It's definitely not as natural uh, for us to do those things. And so uh, we're going to have three great challenges this morning that hopefully you know, we can put into practice as we look at finishing out this year and, and responding to the things that are going on in a way that's in the will of God. And so let's see what these three responses are. First Thessalonians 5 verses 16 through 18 says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So here we have three things that the author is telling us, three ways to respond to difficult things in our life. The first one is rejoice always. Number two, pray without ceasing. And number three, give thanks in everything. And that is God's will, as we already noted, for us. It's specific, it's clear, this is what God wants us to do in response to these things. And they're definitely, you know, 
contrasting our typical response to a lot of what we deal with as we look at the political turmoil, as we look at the civil unrest, as we look at you know, just the fear and the uncertainty and all the things that have kind of come in this year, our natural response is really kind of the opposite of these three challenges. Instead of rejoicing, we typically get upset. You know, upset with all this happening, and we're getting frustrated, maybe even angry at what we're seeing. Instead of giving thanks, we complain. You know, complain about all that's going on, whether it's politically or, or in other areas economically or whatever it is that we have issue with. And instead of praying to God about what's happening, we often let our voice be known, but we don't let our voice be known to God. We let our voice be known on social media, and we kind of just spew all the different feelings and opinions we have there. And so what we're being challenged to do kind of goes against our, our natural fleshly instincts. And this is why it's difficult for us and why it's hard for us to accomplish because, you know, it's not natural. You know, we're being challenged and commanded to do things for us that go against what our, our flesh kind of wants to do and saying, well, instead of complaining, rejoice. You know, instead of just posting everything, why don't you just talk to the Lord about it? Instead of griping, why don't you be thankful? These are very important things for us to understand. They're very important things for us to un- apply to our life. And so I want to take some time just to kind of look at these three things in more detail so hopefully we will better understand them and put them into practice in our life. And so the first way that we should respond here to difficulty in 2020 is to rejoice always. And that's quite a, a difficult challenge. I mean, I just want you to think through from January now almost to the start of December. We've had almost 11 months you know, how has your response to all that you faced in the last 11 months, would you describe it as rejoicing always in what's going on? You know, the Greek word here translated rejoice means to take joy and rejoice exceedingly. And the reason this challenge is so difficult is not so much about rejoicing or taking joy. The real difficulty in the challenge is how frequently we're being commanded to do this. We're told to rejoice always. Not, you know, rejoice sometimes, rejoice most of the time. No, rejoice always, speaking of all the time. Take joy all the time. Now, many Christians, when they hear this command, they, they think to themselves, how is that possible? You, you might be thinking that right now. Okay, yeah, that's, that's nice that it's in the Bible, but how is that even possible to rejoice always? All the time. Do you understand what I've gone through this year? How can we rejoice going through so much difficulty? And I think one of the reasons why there's a struggle with this command is because we really don't understand the difference between happiness and joy. Notice we're not commanded to be happy always. We're commanded to take joy always. And the difference between happiness and joy is very significant and important to understand so we can understand what we're being challenged to do and also what we're not being challenged to do. The main difference between joy and happiness is that happiness is based upon your circumstances and joy is not. So if your circumstances are good, You know, you just got married, you just had a child, you just got a pay raise, you just went on vacation. You know, if your circumstances are good, well, then you're happy. But if your circumstances are bad, you just got COVID, you just lost your job, you just had a loved one pass away, you know, whatever bad situation you're in, well, then there's no happiness. 
Because happiness is completely based on my circumstances. So if they're good, I'm happy. If they're bad, I'm not. And that's oftentimes when we think, we think this is saying, well, you know, well, how can I take joy, meaning how can I be happy all the time in the midst of all this hardship? But it's not telling us to be happy all the time. You see, joy isn't based on your circumstances. Joy for the believer in Christ is ultimately based in Jesus Christ in our relationship with him. So as Christians, we can rejoice always in every situation, whether the situation is good or whether the situation is bad, is because our joy isn't based on the circumstances and the situations that we're in. It's based in Jesus. And the important thing to understand is circumstances constantly change. You might be on a high right now. You might be having a great time and you're happy. But guess what? The valley's coming. The difficulty's coming. The the hardships are coming. And then you're going to be sad. But here we recognize, you know what, circumstances change, but guess who doesn't? Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, and the wonderful truth of that is I can always have joy in him and my relationship with him because he doesn't change. It doesn't matter what I'm going through because that relationship with him is always constant. Now, when we're going through difficulties, we don't often feel like rejoicing. Yeah, I think all of us can probably admit to that. I know I don't feel like rejoicing when I go through difficulties. On Thanksgiving, I was driving right here on Spencer Highway, and all of a sudden I feel what I thought was a blown tire, uh, and the ball joints on my right front tire snapped, uh, and the truck just pulled into the lane right next to me. And so fortunately, uh, there was no one in that lane. And I got off right when I could at the McDonald's parking lot right here. Uh, and, you know, I get out thinking that, man, my tire blew and it was on the rim because I hear this grinding noise. And then I look and I see what you guys are seeing in this picture. Of it's much worse. You know, it snapped. Uh, and so, you know, I'm starting to call tow trucks because obviously this thing's not going anywhere without one. It's Thanksgiving Day, so pretty much closed, 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 closed. I finally get someone. They're like, well, we have one truck running right now. It's going to be a while. Oh, well, how long is a while? Maybe 30 minutes. Well, two hours later, uh, they finally show up. And it's like, you're also going to get charged with a Thanksgiving rate, uh, which was more expensive as well. And so on Thanksgiving, I'm sitting in my broken truck in a McDonald's parking lot waiting for a couple hours uh, and then paying uh, ridiculous money. Uh, you know, I didn't feel like rejoicing. And one of the biggest reasons I didn't feel like rejoicing is because my focus was on my truck that was broken, how much it was going to cost to tow it, and then how much it's going to cost to get it fixed. But you know what? In my relationship with Jesus, I have plenty of reason to rejoice. But that's not what I was focused on. I wasn't focusing on what I have in Christ and who I am in Christ and my relationship with Christ. I was focused on the truck. I was focused on the problem. And you know what? I learned over the years, if I want to rejoice always, I got to stay focused on the reason I have to rejoice. I got to stay focused on my relationship with Jesus, keep my eyes fixed on him and who I am in him and not so much on my difficult circumstances. You see, you and I have so much to be joyful about. And if we just stop and focus and think about what we have to rejoice in in our relationship with Christ and all that he's done for us, we truly can rejoice always for those things. But the reality is when we take our eyes off of Jesus, take our eyes and our focus off of what he's done and put it on the difficult circumstances that we're in, it's really hard to rejoice and we typically stop rejoicing. 
So the only way we really can rejoice always is if we're really continually focusing on the reasons we have to rejoice in Christ. Philippians 4.4, Paul wrote both Thessalonians and Philippians. He kind of says it you know, even more here. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And if you didn't get it the first time, again, I will say rejoice. Now notice the focus is in the Lord. That's the key. It's not a command to rejoice in everything that we're going through. The command is rejoice in the Lord. What you have in Christ, that's what we have to rejoice in. Now, the Bible has an abundant amount of things that it tells us about what Jesus has done for us, about our relationship with him, reasons we have to rejoice. And I just want to share a couple of them just to be a reminder and an encouragement as we think about, well, you know, is there that much to rejoice in in our relationship with Christ? Yes, there is an overwhelming amount. Isaiah 61.10 tells us, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I mean, right here we have two of the most wonderful things that God has done for us that we should be rejoicing in for. One is that he has saved us, and two, that he has made us righteous. You know, we're sinful, wicked people, and God, because he paid for our sin on the cross, he dealt with that sin, but he also makes us righteous because he offers us his sinlessness. And those are great reasons to rejoice and all the benefits that come with them. 1 Chronicles 16.31 says, Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. You know, I think in 2020, this is one of those things that's important to remember. We can rejoice in the fact that the Lord reigns, that God is still on the throne. And I've talked with people who are believers and they're kind of posing that question of like, you know what, with everything that we see going on right now, Does the Lord still reign? Is he still on the throne? Is he still in control? Because it seems like there's so many things in our world that are out of control. You know, what's going on up there in heaven? And we need to remember what the Bible tells us. Even when things seem crazy here, God still reigns. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. You know, you might not like the political leader or what's happening politically or what's happening in our world or what's happening with other things. But remember, you know, ultimately as believers, we're not looking to a president. We're looking to the Father in heaven, and he still reigns on the throne. Uh, And so we should be encouraged by that and rejoice over that. Psalm 63, 7 says, But you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wing I will rejoice. Two more reasons to rejoice in the Lord. He helps us, and this shadow of his wing is speaking of protecting us. And, you know, in the world that we're in today, man, those are two things that we should really rejoice over because we surely need God's help in 2020. We surely need God's protection uh, in 2020. And you know what? He provides that. We are his children. He is there for us. And we should rejoice in those things. You know, we could just spend the rest of our time this morning reading verse after verse after verse of reasons why we should rejoice in the Lord, who he is, what he's done. But I just wanted to throw that out there as a reminder of we have so many reasons to rejoice in the Lord. So much of what he's done for us, what he's doing in us, what he promises for our eternal future in heaven. And so I just want to encourage you to take time every morning 
to take time in the middle of the day, to take time in the evening, and just remind yourself of some of these things. You know, memorize some of these verses. When things are going bad and they're difficult, just read this verse or, or just quote this verse to yourself and just be, hey, ah, God is great. Look at what he's done. I have to, uh, great reason to rejoice in him in these things. Because the bottom line, you know, we've seen it this year. We're going to get bombarded with things that are hard, that are difficult, you know, that are just trying in our life. And we need to be reminded of all that we have to rejoice in so we do not lose sight of that reason. Because once we lose sight of it and we just focus on all the negative, hard things that we have, we're not going to rejoice always. We're just going to be upset with what we're going through. And that's a problem because, you know, too often Christians are not seen the way that we should be as those who are able to rejoice in the midst of difficulty. Now, I understand why the world can't rejoice in the midst of difficulty, but we have Christ. We have reason to rejoice that they don't. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. I am bound to mention among the curiosities of the churches that I have known many deep spiritually Christian people who have been afraid to rejoice. Some take such a view of religion that it is to them a sacred duty to be gloomy. Turn this book over and see if there be any precept that the Lord has given you in which he has said, groan in the Lord always. And again, I say groan. You may groan if you like. You have Christian liberty for that. But at the same time, do you believe that you have larger liberty to rejoice? For so it is put before you. You know, and when you listen to a lot of Christians, you, know, you might think that the Bible says you know, to groan because there's so much groaning going on. When you read you know, a lot of the social media posts from Christians, you might think groaning is you know, some kind of spiritual gift because so many people are doing it. But the reality is that's not how we should be. We should be rejoicing, not groaning. So the first way that we should respond to all we're facing in 2020 is rejoice always. The second thing is that we will pray without ceasing. Well, here's another very difficult command that we're given. Now, the basic definition of prayer, we could get much more detail, but just basic definition of prayer is communication with God. And just like with the last command, the command itself isn't really what's difficult. You know, to pray isn't really what's hard. What's hard is the amount of time we're told we should be praying. We're told to pray without ceasing. You know, the Greek word translated without ceasing means continually, without intermission, to never cease. Charles Ryrie wrote this about this Greek word translated without ceasing. He says this, Other ways this word was used outside of the New Testament was the uninterrupted necessary payment of taxes, the continual service of an official, and a continual uninterrupted cough. Like a hacking cough, you may not be always coughing, though the tendency to cough is always there. So we will not always be audibly praying, yet always have the attitude of praying in our heart and life. I think there's several important implications for us to kind of really think about with this challenge and command really to pray without ceasing. The first thing is the use of our voice is not an essential element in prayer. You don't have to pray audibly aloud. You can just pray in your mind. You, know, you can just think and you can communicate without actually verbalizing it so other people can hear. The posture of prayer is not that important. 
You know, I think it probably was started to fold your hands and close your eyes because so many kids would be smacking each other and doing different things. And it's just kind of to, to keep away distractions. But we think, well, if I'm going to pray, i got to do this. And it's like, well, I can't pray when I'm driving because then I'll crash. But, you know, the posture of prayer is not what's necessary. You can pray walking. You can pray kneeling. You can pray with your head bowed, your, your arms folded. You can pray sitting. You can pray laying down. I don't really recommend the laying down because your prayers won't last very long before you fall asleep. But, you know... The place of prayer is also not of great importance. Well, I, I can only pray in the house of God. No, you can pray anywhere. You can pray in your house. You can pray in the car. You can pray at work. You can pray outside. You know, where you are is not that important. And the particular time of prayer is not that important. Every second of the day, guess what? God makes himself available to you. He's listening to you. He actually tells you to come boldly to his throne of grace. So we need to understand that there isn't a place or a time that we can't pray. We can pray anywhere, in any situation, and that's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to get in this habit of just being in this regular, whether it's communication, just thinking about things or verbalizing it. To think of it this way, when you have a decision make, whether it's big or small, that you just ask God to give you wisdom. You, know, you don't have to, hey, you know what, I gotta go in my room and I gotta close my eyes and I gotta fold my hands and you know I gotta take this break. No, you know what? I'm at work right now and there's this decision I need that just right now, in my mind, I'm just gonna ask God for wisdom. You have a need, big or small, right then. Just ask God to meet that need. You've committed a sin, whether it's big or small, right away, ask God to forgive you of that sin, and he will. When you need encouragement, when you need strength or peace. At that moment, ask God for it. You know, just to get in that habit of, man, I have access to the one who can meet all my needs. And so when I face things, that right away my initial response is to ask the Lord and speak to him about these things. When you're at work and you're dealing with a difficult person, ask God for patience. Ask God for love. When you're doing just daily things and, you know, just ask God, Lord, help me to apply your word to the things that I'm doing in my life right now. And if you hadn't read anything, Lord, give me a greater passion for your word so that tomorrow I actually will spend time in it. Ultimately, try and understand that the lines of communication between you and God are always open. And so take advantage of it. I think it's one of the greatest privileges that we have been given that is the most neglected one by believers. We have a lot of privileges but probably the most neglected privilege is prayer. And it's God's land like, here, there's power in it. I am the creator of everything. Come to me with it. And so often, this is that one that we unfortunately don't take advantage of enough. So the first way we should respond to the things that we're facing here in 2020 is rejoice always. The second way is to pray without ceasing. And the third way that we're given challenge here to do is to give thanks in everything. And once again, a very difficult command, but once again, the command isn't difficult in what we're told to do, giving thanks. We give thanks for lots of things. The command is difficult in what we're told to give thanks in. We're told to give thanks in everything, not in some things, not in most things, but give thanks in everything. And once again, just like with the first one, you might be thinking, how in the world can I give thanks for the death of a loved one? How can I give thanks for a miscarriage? How can I give thanks for some horrible tragedy? How can I give thanks for losing my job? How can I give thanks for, and the list will go on and on of things you could put in that list. 
For me recently, how can I give thanks for my truck breaking down on Thanksgiving Day? The answer is, you can't give thanks for those, and this verse is not telling you to give thanks for those. Notice we're told, give thanks in everything, not for everything. And there is a huge difference between those two things. He's not saying give thanks for everything that you face. He's saying give thanks in everything that you face. You see, all of us have circumstances and situations that we're not thankful for, but there's still things we can find to be thankful in the midst of what we're going through. We can be thankful in everything because guess what? God is with us in everything. He never leaves us or forsakes us. We can be thankful in everything because we know that God will give us everything that we need to get through it. You see, ultimately, the reason that you and I can be thankful in everything is because of our relationship with God. Because in everything that we go through, God is not only there to be with us, but he's there to help us through it and to learn from it. For example, Jenny had two miscarriages before having Scarlett and Eden. And obviously, neither of us were thankful for those miscarriages. But you know what? God showed us how to be thankful in it. We are thankful that the Lord gave Jenny and I all that we needed to get through that difficult time. We were thankful that the Lord was able to use what we went through to help others who had miscarriages so that we could comfort them and help them and and have an understanding of what they were going through because we went through it ourselves. Now, we have met several non-Christians that have miscarriages, and they are not thankful in it in the same way that we were because they don't have the Lord. They don't have the comfort and strength and the peace of the Holy Spirit. And so there's really nothing in their circumstances that they're thankful for, but also that they're thankful in because they don't have what we have with Jesus. So you see, just like rejoicing and praying, being thankful in every circumstance is only possible because of our relationship with Jesus. When you and I are going through a difficult situation, you know, our, our natural response is not to be thankful. When we're struggling, thankfulness is not typically the first thing that we have as a response And I already noted there's nothing wrong with not being thankful for our difficult circumstances, but we need to really look at how can I be thankful in what I'm going through? How can I be thankful in what is taking place? For example, I'm not thankful still for my truck breaking down, but there are several things I am thankful for in that. I'm thankful that when my truck pulled into the lane next to me, there wasn't a truck there or a car there, and I didn't get in an accident. I'm thankful, even though I waited a while, that there was someone actually still working on Thanksgiving Day and could drive my truck home. And that gentleman was a Jewish man from Israel who just moved over a year ago. And so we got in a conversation because I'm in the truck with him because my truck's on the back of it. Uh, and I asked him if he practices Judaism. He says, yes. And I said, OK, well, you know, how do you deal with your sins? And he kind of just looked at me and said, you know, you have no sacrificial system. You have no temple. And he's like, well, yeah, that's kind of a problem. I said, no, actually, it's not a problem because your Messiah has already come. uh, And I got to share the gospel. I got to encourage him to read Psalm 53 and to see how that clearly speaks about Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, And so I'm grateful that even in the midst of all that, I had this opportunity to sit in a truck where this guy couldn't get away from me uh, and just talk with him about that. But um, I wish that that was always the case. But I'm sure as you do as well, there are times where it's like, I'm not thankful for or in what's happening. 
And we need to get to that place where we come to that. And I found that it's hard to give thanks when I'm focusing on what I'm not thankful for. When I'm focusing on the truck broken down and the cost, or I'm focusing on you know, this happening or that happening, whatever negative thing, if I'm focusing on what I'm not thankful for, the likelihood is I'm not going to be thankful. And so I have to really change my focus and realize, man, hey, I'm so thankful that I didn't get in a huge accident. I'm so thankful that someone's here to pick up this truck. I'm so thankful for this opportunity God gave me to speak to this man. And to start looking at, Lord, what do you want to teach me in this? How can you use this uh, for me to bring glory to you and so that I can see areas in which to be thankful in instead of just focusing on all the problems because we surely face plenty of those in this life. If you face the sun, your shadow always falls behind you so that all you see is the sun and not your shadow. But if you turn around and you put your back to the sun, guess what? All you see is your shadow and you no longer see the sun. And in the same way, when you keep your focus on Jesus and his brilliance and all that he's done, guess what? You're not seeing all the problems and all the the issues and all the difficulties. You just have your eyes focused on him, and it kind of blinds you in a good way from all the other things. But you turn your back on Jesus, and you start looking at all the problems. That's all you see. And then it becomes very difficult to be thankful because I'm not looking at the thing that I should be thankful for. I'm looking at the thing I'm not thankful for. And because my focus is on those things, it becomes very, very difficult to actually be thankful in that situation. Alexander White was a Scottish pastor known for always being able to find something for which to be grateful and one Sunday morning, the weather was super gloomy. I lived in Scotland for 11 years, and you know, it rains 310 days out of the year. Gloominess is really bad over there, so I can understand this church member's thought. He said, certainly the preacher won't think of anything for which to thank the Lord on a wretched day like this. But to his surprise, the pastor began by praying, we thank you, O God, that it's not always like this. May we be like that guy. To always be looking for what should we be grateful in as, to be, as opposed to always looking for what we can complain about. And maybe for you in 2020, it's going to start by saying, Lord, I'm thankful it's not always like this. If you're struggling to find something good to be thankful for, at least be thankful for it's not always this bad. At least be thankful for at least last year it wasn't as like this. And the year before, it wasn't so bad. And hopefully next year, it won't be this bad. You know, there's plenty to be thankful for that's good. But if you're struggling with that, at least just focus on why you can just say it's not always this bad. And I can be thankful for that at least. But I think it's important to note that all three of these responses are continual. And that's why they're hard. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. Each one of these things is just this continual, regular thing. And I'm sure all of us as believers say, oh, I can rejoice sometimes and I can pray here and there. And, you know, I'm thankful, you know, uh, a little bit of time, maybe when I get my meal or whatever. But it's like all the time. No, but that's the challenge. That's what we're being commanded to do. This should be a continual thing. It shouldn't just be periodically popping up in our lives. It should be an everyday activity. So my encouragement is today. Our response to 2020, our response to what we're going through, we should be rejoicing, we should be praying, we should be giving thanks, 
And we need to remember doing these things, it's only possible because of our relationship with Jesus. It's not because I wake up and I muster up the strength and, man, I'm just going to rejoice today even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to be thankful. No, it's because of our relationship with Jesus and all that we have in that. That's the source of strength. That's also the reason for why we do these things. The only reason we can pray without ceasing is because of our relationship with God. The only reason we give thanks in everything is because we're giving thanks for Him, for what He's doing in and through us. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is thankfulness. And I really like what he's sharing there. It's like, hey, you know what? One of the best ways to be thankful is you first need to rejoice and pray. If you're someone who regularly rejoices and you regularly pray, you will have a heart of thanksgiving. It will have this impact on your life that you're now starting to be thankful. But if you don't pray and you don't rejoice, you won't be thankful either. And so he's saying, hey, you, you want to be a thankful person? Well, be someone who starts by rejoicing and being someone who is a person of prayer. And you'll start to see this natural result of thanksgiving come. So these three commands, they're continual. Uh, they're only possible for our, because of our relationship with God. But one other thing that's important for us to note as we kind of highlighted it a little at the beginning is that all three of these things are the will of God for us. That's how this verse 18 ends, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, when we speak about the will of God, we're speaking about what God wishes or what God determines shall be done. So God's will, what he wishes, what he determines shall be done, should be very important for anyone who is a follower of Jesus. One of the most important questions we should be asking is, what is the will of God for my life? And I will say as a pastor, that's something that I hear a lot of people, they'll come to me because they want to know that. And I think it's a great thing to want to know, you know, what's the will of God for my life? Well, you know what? When we talk about that, we're actually speaking of the general will and the specific will. Typically, people are kind of wanting more of the specific, like, should I go into ministry? Should I do this? But I would start with, you know, let's just get the general ones down. And here's three that are very clear, that for every single believer, we can say, we know for sure, because whenever you read in the Bible, this is the will of God, you can be confident it's the will of God for you, so I can know I'm supposed to rejoice always. I'm supposed to pray without ceasing. I'm supposed to, in everything, give thanks. And so we know at least these three things are generally for all of us. And before you start focusing on the specific will, why don't you start doing the general? And I found if you actually start doing the general will of God, the specific will of God becomes so much more obvious and clear to you. Now, there are two important things when you're, you need to understand with the will of God. And the first thing is probably what comes to most of our minds Hey, since it's the will of God, I should do it. If that doesn't come to your mind, well, let me tell you, you should do it. If it's God's will for you, then as a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I should do what God's word tells us is his will. And so when we think of the will of God, one of my first thoughts is that is something that I should do in my life, to put into practice in my life. Now, the second thing that I think is just as important is because it's the will of God, this is something that I can do. And those go hand in hand. I should do it, but because it's God's will, I can be confident I can do it as well. You see, something we need to understand is whatever God commands us to do, he will enable us to accomplish. 
He doesn't say, hey, you know, here's my will, and you're never going to be able to do it. And I'm just going to sit up here, and I'm just going to, with a smirk on my face, watch as you fail over and over again because I've asked you to do something that's impossible for you. No, he says, here's my will. And through the power of my spirit, I will give you all you need to accomplish it. And so we can know when you read something, this is the will of God for my life, that I can also know I can do it, not through my own power, but through the power that God will give me, because he doesn't just tell me to do it, he wants me to do it. These are things he wants for us, and he's going to empower us to accomplish it. It's not easy to rejoice always. It's not easy to pray without ceasing. It's not easy to give thanks in everything, but you can do it because it's God's will for you to do it, and he will enable you to do it. So the three responses that we should have to this difficult year of 2020, first, rejoice always, second, pray without ceasing, and third, give thanks in everything. Remember, all of these things are continual. All of them are only possible because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, and they are all part of the will of God for our lives, which means we should do them, but also it means that we can do them. And so I just want to give an encouragement to you. I mean, obviously, this should go beyond this week, but I think it's always good just to take something that's realistic that you can do to say, hey, starting today all the way till next Sunday that I'm going to every day of this week rejoice, pray, and give thanks. I'm going to start putting these things into practice. I'm not just going to say, yeah, that's important for me to do, and then you know, a couple days from now just forget about it. Be like, no, I want to actually do these things and apply them to my life. And I guarantee you, if you start doing that, watch the positive impact. Because I'm sure a lot of the things that you've done, a lot of things that I've done in our responses to what we've been facing in 2020, which have not been biblical responses, they haven't helped. You know, all that, you know, negative stuff, all those complaints, all those other things, that's not benefiting us in any way, shape, or form. It's not helping us get through these problems any way at all. You start rejoicing, you start praying, you start giving thanks. Watch how that changes your focus, how that changes your attitude, how that changes everything. Your circumstances will be exactly the same, but yet your response to it will be completely different and your ability to handle it in a right, godly way will start to manifest itself uh, and it will be so much better for you and for me if we do that. We're going to finish in a song of worship, as we typically do. The, the title of the song that we're going to close in this morning is Give Me Jesus. Uh, and one of the lines in the chorus is, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. And I think it's a fitting song for us with all that we've looked at this morning, because you know the world is a big thing that distracts us. It's a thing that brings a lot of the problems. And if we will just say, you know what, I just want Jesus. I just want to keep my focus on Jesus. Rejoicing becomes something that's become so much easier. Praying becomes something so much easier. Thanking becomes something so much easier. And so we're just going to finish with this song, and hopefully it's the, the desire of our heart that we truly would say, Give me Jesus. And so I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And, and why don't we just stand together uh, and let's just finish our time together uh, just singing this song from our hearts.